world. They had enjoyed many such debates over the years, although, regrettably, had had fewer opportunities recently. It would usually start with some off-the-wall comment from Martin. No small talk, no trivialities, just straight into whatever was on his mind. Sometimes it was just plain weird and Peter would tell him so, but generally he found it refreshingly different to the world of electronic systems design in which he passed his working hours. He would sorely miss Martin. It was spitting with rain, and Peter realised he was now alone at the graveside except for his brother six feet below. He wasn't even sure how long he had been standing there. Memories of their childhood and then the last few conversations together had been replaying in his mind. There was something bothering him, an ephemeral sense of unease he couldn't quite identify. He put it down to circumstances and walked back to the car. At the fields... Isabel had dutifully transformed from grieving widow to perfect hostess, smiling, flattering, and refilling glasses. She had changed into a flowing black evening dress, giving the appearance of gliding as she moved gracefully around the room, her long, dark hair swinging as she turned. Some of the guests were now telling jokes and laughing, as though forgetting the occasion that had brought them together. "'You must be the physicist,' came a slightly familiar voice from behind. It was the young curate who had conducted the service— he was a tall man, at least six-two, with straight dark hair and a rather boyish face, somehow currently displaying a mixture of humour, compassion, and nervousness. "'Not any more. Contract engineer,' replied Peter, surprised. "'Is that how Martin used to refer to me?' "'I'm sorry. How rude. My name's Roger. I'm the curate here at Littlewick. You're Peter, his brother, right?' Peter nodded. "'It was a very moving service. Did you know Martin well?' The man paused, looking across the room and out through the large bay windows, his face seeming much older as it filled with sadness and regret. We spoke together a lot, but I'm not sure how well I really knew him. He and Isabel were regulars in the congregation, and they frequently hosted my discussion groups here at the fields. Martin used to be such a wonderful person to have in the group. He would lead us in all sorts of interesting and unexpected directions. Peter smiled. He could imagine Martin leading them all up the garden path. Did you see him much over the last few months? No, not much, really. For a while we missed him at the church, then a couple of weeks ago he turned up again. He seemed distracted, but... An elderly lady with blue hair grabbed the curate by the arm and led him off rather unceremoniously to another group of guests. He threw an apologetic glance back at Peter, mouthing, We'll talk later. Peter didn't wait. Instead, he wandered off through the huge old house. To name his home The Fields, after the Academy of St. Martin in the Fields, for which Martin had so often played, had been typical of his brother's shamelessly corny wit. Peter could picture him now, violin tucked tightly under the chin and that frantic look of intense concentration written across his face as the bow whipped back and forth. It was a spacious but wonderfully cosy house, its low ceilings crossed with dark wooden beams. The main building dated back to sometime in the 16th century, but it had been extended and converted over the years, creating a rambling maze of corridors and unexpected nooks and crannies. Martin used to say that every square inch told a story. He'd believed that houses absorbed the emotions of the people who lived in them, and for those who were receptive, these emotions would periodically re-emerge. This was his explanation for tales of ghosts and the good or bad vibes he professed to feel in various surroundings. Despite a certain romantic appeal to the idea, Peter didn't believe any of it. He accepted that rooms and buildings could have their own character, 
but that this was due to physical properties which could be measured. The proportions of the room, the placement of the doors and windows all had significance. The colours, lighting and general decor influenced one's mood, as did the subtle odours and the way sounds echoed or were absorbed. And after all, it was subjective. Not everyone felt the same way about the same rooms. Wandering into Martin's den, he felt a shiver run down his spine. The place was still a mess. Imagining Isabel had found it too upsetting to tidy, he made a mental note to sort through it for her. As he looked around, he was searching for an explanation. Why does an apparently happy and successful man kill himself? To one side of the desk stood an electric keyboard and synthesizer, the floor around which was littered with music scores and haphazard piles of books. Books on music, art, poetry, philosophy, theology, and also a few which surprised him. Chaos. Consciousness. Neural network.